Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. What's up, everybody? Great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tim, and I want to invite you, all of our campuses, to take out your Bibles. Where you are, take them out right now and turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25. That's on page 88. We have come to the final week, this is week four, of our current series, Love Dub, experiencing, really echoing the heartbeat of God. And what we've been doing through this series is really want to give you a feel for the heartbeat of God through the lens of the Old Testament, especially his compassion and his kindness towards those people who are most vulnerable in our world. The reality is this, to put this into practice, we've looked at four kind of strange, kind of obscure, unusual practices found in the Old Testament. What we're doing is we're blowing the dust off, blowing the dust of antiquity off of books like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah, which often sometimes can seem like this bizarre record from a primitive era. Honestly, it seems like what relevance. We want to see what application they have for life in the 21st century. We've looked at three practices so far, right? The first one was fasting, which is denying yourself something physical, maybe food or water, so you can draw close to the heart of God. The second was gleaning, where we give out of our abundance to people who are living on the fringe. And the third one we looked at last week was partying, which is really about cultivating the spirit of celebration and generosity, particularly towards those in our world who have nothing or who are in need of our help. But today, we look at the fourth discipline, and it's the practice called Jubilee. Can we say that word together? Jubilee, as in Cherry's Jubilee, we'll see. Now, before we get into this, check this out. I just need to tell you guys this. It has been absolutely thrilling for me to see how you guys have kind of embraced these ideas and really put your own spin on them. It's been cool because your creativity uh, has just allowed us to, to, to get a vision for what God can do. For instance, with this first um, you know, practice of fasting, for the last three weeks as a church, we've been taking what we're calling the liquid challenge, which is really a three-week water-only fast on behalf of the poorest of the poor in Africa. You guys know this. We funded over 20 freshwater wells in northern Ethiopia. We saw them this spring. It is life-changing for the, the villagers and the children there. And what we did is we've been challenging ourselves at the start of this series to sacrifice even more. And voluntarily, a lot of you have given up coffee, your Diet Coke, your vitamin water, your Red Bull, all the the beverages that we normally purchase on a daily basis. And instead, we're drinking water only for three weeks, and we're saving the money so that together we're going to pool our resources and sacrifice that so we can drill even more wells in Ethiopia, where the kids really only have contaminated dirty water to drink. And today is the last day of the fast. I sound like Moses. I know Moses is British, but the fast is officially over at sundown tonight or whenever the service is over, whatever comes first. So hopefully you brought your bottle with you today and all you're going to do is you're going to bring it and put it in the display, swap it out for a bottle filled with water, your bottle filled with cash, change, checks. Some of you put checks, that's totally cool. Take one for the road. This is for you to celebrate all that you gave up. And what we're going to do now is pull it together this week, count it, and put 100% right back into the ground to bring fresh water to the poorest of the poor across uh, Africa. It's really cool stuff, and especially to see 
the creativity and the initiative uh, that you guys brought to this challenge. I'll give you an example. Uh, I overheard one of the coolest stories from one of the children who goes to Liquid Kids. Um, our kids have been participating too. We're trying to te- teach them compassion uh, for the heart of God. And this little girl whose name is Maddie Murphy came up with the coolest idea. I love this. Just adorable. Uh, apparently, the first week of our fast, Maddie brought two of her, her friends. These are neighborhood kids who, who aren't Christians. She brought them to church. Awesome job. Brought them the liquid kids. They learned about the situation in Ethiopia. And when they saw the pictures of the kids there drinking that dirty, contaminated water, something just sparked in the heart of seven-year-old Maddie. So she went home, and with her friends, they opened up a lemonade stand. And they started a little business over the weekend selling lemonade so they could give it towards a well in Africa. This is a picture of them. And the coolest thing is this. I love this. Um, Maddie walks into Liquid Kids last week with her bottle, and it's filled to the brim, like chock full. There's like bills coming out of it. Apparently, whenever an adult stopped by, they told them, they said, now this isn't any lemonade. We are doing this on behalf of kids in Africa and told them about the water crisis there. And together, Maddie and her friends raised $72. Can we hear it for these girls? That is awesome. Maddie, you inspire us. You go, girl. That is so cool. I mean, as a, as a dad, I can't imagine being more proud of a child. I mean, taking after the heart of God and putting faith into action. Guys, that's an example for all of us. I mean, I've given up a bunch of Diet Cokes and stuff, but I haven't even come close to Maddie, what she has done. And can we just, by the way, just time out? Let's hear it for our Liquid Kids teachers and volunteers. You guys are lodging an anchor in the hearts of these kids from which we hope they'll never recover. And it's going to imprint them as adults and teach them to beat with the heart of God towards the least and the lost. We are humbled by you, Maddie. You go, girl. I love it. The Bible says like a little child shall lead them. That's what she's done. So just awesome stuff. Return your bottle today, okay? If you're on the internet campus, uh, you know, you can just mail it back in or you can give online. Whatever is most convenient for you. Uh, if you forgot your bottle or something, no worries, not big deal. Just bring it next week on the 31st and, and we'll, we'll count it towards the total. And everything we do, 100% is going to go right back into the ground. Living water for a thirsty world. Just, just awesome. That's the first practice of fasting. And the second practice, of course, is gleaning which next week we put into practice with our citywide free market on Sunday, May 24th in both New Brunswick and Morristown. What's a free market, you ask? You guys know. It's where God's people glean, right? We give out of our abundance the harvest that God gave us, and we bring our best to the center of our cities as a way to bless and provide for those who are living on the fringe. It's a beautiful picture. And it's the coolest thing because now as we have worked with social service agencies in New Brunswick and in Morristown, we now have over 500 families who are living at or below the poverty line who are going to be there next Sunday as we go out to serve them in Jesus' name. And we're going to be giving away all sorts of stuff to bless these guys. I mean, we're talking these are immigrant families. Some of them are single parent families, folks without a job or disabilities. And we're giving them ordinary everyday stuff that may not mean a lot to us, but it means a lot to them. Some of you guys have been bringing it in, and I got a little sample of some of it. I just love this. Again, some of your, your creativity. I don't know if you can take a look at this thing, but this is the coolest thing. This is, um, somebody brought this in uh, this week. I don't know if you can see what this is. This is an actual Nintendo GameCube. How cool is that, okay? This is like a, a GameCube, and what they've done is they brought all the controllers, and they packaged it with eight different games, you know, for it and everything. And the coolest thing is this. I mean, You know, maybe it's not a Wii, okay? It's not a Nintendo Wii. But you know what? For a single mom with a nine-year-old son who doesn't have anything, this is a big deal. This is a big blessing to them. 
And so what this person did is they not only packaged all of the, uh, the games in Nintendo, they put it in a little gift basket so it's good to go. That's the kind of dignity we want to honor our neighbors with, okay? Just to really bless them out of the hand of God. That's the spirit of it, okay? Now, I want to contrast this with another box we received uh, at one of our offices. And it didn't seem to be sorted through because at the very bottom of the box, I just kind of want to contrast this, crumpled up in a ball at the bottom was these sweet runners right here. Those are some sweet runners, okay? Yeah, triple XL ladies uh, dainties, right? These, these are some sweet. And I, we thought, oh, wow, that, man, great. That, the heartbeat right there here, okay? Now, look, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I am, okay, maybe I'm trying to shame you. Um, all I'm saying is, is that when you get to heaven, you're the one who's going to have to stand before the judgment throne and say, Jesus, I, <laughs> I gave all that I have. I don't, I just, I gave, Father, I, okay? You, you getting, you feeling me here? This is what we're looking for, not this, okay? It would be sweet if I preached out of these the rest of the day. It would be amazing. You see that preacher in the adult diaper? That was amazing. These are, uh, these are I'm just going to, we're going to pretend, we're going to pretend that that was an oversight. You didn't see that. All is forgiven. Try again. You guys feeling me? This is next week, guys, and we're going to have a great time uh, out there serving together, giving away great stuff. Um, the free market, here's the deal. It actually starts at 11 a.m., but we're going to need help starting, uh, setting up earlier. The line, the last time, we had a line around the block the last time we did this, and it runs until 2 p.m., and we're going to have a party atmosphere, okay? We took our cue from Deuteronomy 14 here, um, where God actually told the Israelites to bring their tithe to throw a party, for the poor, the widow, the orphans, the fatherless, those on the fringe. And that's the joy and the generous spirit of our Heavenly Father that we want to have be infectious. So we're going to have free food. We're going to have a bounce house, face painting, rides and stuff for the kids. All the way of loving our neighbors and, and simply telling them, we care. We care because God cares for you. That's the message. Love. It's a, it's a big old wet kiss on the face of our city, Okay. And we still need people to serve, so sign up online. Let me put these down here, and if these are yours, you can claim them after the service here. I'll just leave that there. And uh, on the website here, you'll notice there's a page to sign up, and you can take a look. Even if you can only serve for an hour or two, notice it says T-shirt size. That's because everybody who serves gets a free T-shirt. It's our summer T-shirts coming out next week. Woo! And uh, you can pick that up. There's still time to sign up at both of our campuses, but go to liquidchurch.com to do that. And uh, we need people actually to even take tickets. That, that's how it's going to work. Some people have been like, how does this, how's this work? Prior to the free market, what we did is we gave each of those families uh, special tickets, um, that, that, 10 of them actually. And, and then what we do is basically we kind of uh, give a, a price to these things. Like this is the Nintendo GameCube is three tickets. I think that should be like four tickets. That's amazing. So that's three tickets, and someone gets to walk away with this and still have seven. Uh, these will actually pay somebody to come take. But uh, you get the idea there, okay? That's the whole thing, and people can mix and match and hopefully walk away with great stuff. It ain't going to be a disorganized, chaotic rummage sale. That's the whole point. It's going to be orderly. It's going to be safe. It's going to be fun, and it's going to be compassionate because this is about letting our neighbors actually shop with dignity while their children have a blast. And we're going to serve them together in the love of Christ. So if you haven't dropped off your stuff or you forgot, no worries. There's still time to donate stuff. You can do that. Come back to your campus today because they'll give us time to tag it and organize it before next Sunday. Um, but next week, you heard me, don't come to church. 
The church has left the building. Do not come here because we ain't going to be here. We're going to be out in the city, serving the city as our service to God. Amen? Can we hear it for all the people who have fasted and gleaned so far? That is just the coolest thing. Uh, And people who are partying next week at the free market, that's going to be awesome. It's just cool to see you guys kind of embrace these Old Testament practices and make them our own in the 21st century. It may take a little bit of translation, guys, but I hope you catch this. Every inch of this book is living and active and has application to the 21st century if we really take it to where? Take it to heart. Lub-dub, lub-dub. That's the idea. So, sound good? Now you're like, hey, that's three. What's the fourth? Today we come to the fourth and final Old Testament practice to echo God's heart, and that is jubilee. Again, let's say that word together again. Ready? Jubilee. Just kind of fun to say, isn't it? That term jubilee actually comes out of the writings of Moses. And what we see here, I had you open Leviticus 25, but my guess is you may already know a little bit of something about this, even if you're not religious. Or maybe you haven't been to church in a while. You've probably heard of the Sabbath. How many of you uh, have at least one day off a week? Raise your hand. If you have one day off a week, at least one, okay? Some of, many of us get two days off, okay? If you work for GM or a bank, maybe you have five or six days off. I don't know how that works. But most people are familiar with the commandment to honor the Sabbath, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, Every seven days, God's people were to take a rest and do no work and use that day to honor God and let him restore us. Restore our body, restore our mind, restore our soul. So the, the Sabbath was God's way of giving his people a break. It's foundational teaching. It's encoded in the Ten Commandments. That's where we get our weekend right. Saturday was a Jewish Sabbath, Sunday, uh, the Christian one. And uh, what's less well-known is this. The Jewish people were also required to give a Sabbath year to their land. Check this out. Leviticus 25, you'll see it there. Verse 1, it says, the Sabbath year. Take a look at this. It says, the Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them this. When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a what? Have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not uh, reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. You get what's going on here. The Israelites, who were mostly farmers, they actually divided up their field into seven sections. And God said, every year I want you to let one of the pieces lie fallow. So the land has a chance to rest and be regenerated and restore itself. Good gardeners, you already know this, right? You can't just work the same piece of land year after year after year and expect it to remain fertile. You've got to give it a break. That's the whole point. It's just like people. So in a Sabbath year, God said, give your property a break. Let it lie fallow and it'll regenerate and be renewed just as you are on the Sabbath. And this may seem irrelevant, but you still see traces of this in modern 21st century world. For instance, in college and academics, every seven years a professor can take a what? A sabbatical. Yeah, do you see a word in there? You see the word what? Sabbath. That's Leviticus 25. That's where the concept of a sabbatical year comes from. Every seven years, professors' brains get kind of mushy and tired and their energy goes down. And so a sabbatical gives them time to rest and be renewed and and, and revitalized again. Teachers love Leviticus 25. Anyway, what we see here is God in the Old Testament giving these commands, and I want you to look at his logic. 
The Sabbath was God's way of giving his people a break. The sabbatical year was his way of giving their property a break. The people stopped their work, the land stops its work, and everyone is renewed. See, God's priority for his creation has always been on renewal, giving them a new lease on life. Now, what's fascinating is what occurs here in Leviticus 25, verse 8. Check this out. Notice the heading. It's called the year of what? The year of Jubilee. Check this out. This was the third requirement of God's law regarding the Sabbath. According to uh, verse 8, Leviticus 25, God said this. Count off seven Sabbaths of years. Seven times seven years. So that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Wow, that sounds like a tongue twister. But you get it. Seven times seven equals 49. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a what? A jubilee for you. So in other words, God's like, and now for my final Sabbath law. Every seven days, my people take a break. Every seven years, their property gets a break. Now watch this. After seven cycles of seven years or 49 years on the 50th year, sound the trumpet because I'm declaring a what? A Jubilee. It is the Hebrew word yavel. It means celebration or rejoicing. And the people were like, no way. God's like, way. And there was crazy rejoicing through the land because it was good news. In fact, it was the best news possible, especially if you were poor. Why? Because in the year of Jubilee, God said three things were supposed to happen. The first is that all land was to be returned to its original owners. Every 50 years, return the land. Second, those in prison were to be set free. All prisoners were to go free at the year of Jubilee. And the third thing God said had to happen at Jubilee was all debts were to be canceled. How good is that? In America, could we use a jubilee right now or what? Okay, this was amazing. When you talk about a bailout, God's like, wipe the slate clean. It's unprecedented news. And we don't quite get it because in the ancient world, the cancellation of debts usually meant you were either released from prison or released from slavery. Because if you were in debt, you were either somebody's slave or you were in prison. See, in those days, prison was primarily for debtors. Because some of you are like, I can't believe this. So like murderers and like rapists, they go free? No, not at all. In the ancient world, prisons were filled mostly with people who were in financial debt. So if you had a financial debt you couldn't pay, you would go to jail. Now think about how we live, okay? This were 21st century, like the whole East Coast would be locked up. But you get the idea. All other crimes, the punishment was capital. You'd get stoned, okay? And I'm not talking 2009 getting stoned. This is like 1445 BC getting stoned. You get the idea. If you had debts you couldn't pay, you went to prison or became a slave. And God said, every 50 years, control, alt, delete. I am canceling all debts and declaring jubilee. You talk about good news. For some more than others. Show of hands. Anyone anyone with debt here? Anyone with debt? Okay, anyone lying? Yeah, okay, yeah, (laughs) okay. I get, think about that school loan that's kind of hanging over your head, okay? or the credit cards you got in your wallet or your purse, how would you feel right now, let's go live, if I told you that today in this church, effective immediately, I am declaring by the power vested in me, jubilee. What would happen literally right now? You'd be like, are you serious? 
that whatever your current debt is right now, it is officially canceled. I mean, consider it paid in full. How would you react right now if that were true? You would, do, you would blow more than a trumpet, okay? You'd probably hug the person next to you and start crying. You'd be like, I can't believe this. Can he really do that? Oh, my God, my God, you're awesome. Worship would be off the hook in that service. We would have a jubilee, which was synonymous with a party, a celebration. We'd, we'd have Cherry's Jubilee. That's an extravagant dessert. That's where they get it. Jubilee was incredible news, the best news, especially for who? For the poor. And it wasn't just getting your Amex bill paid off. It meant being released from prison or set free from slavery to the truly poor. Jubilee was literally a whole new lease on life. Because you realize the heart of God, look how God thinks. You know what Jubilee was? This was God's plan for breaking the cycle of poverty in every generation. That's why poverty was never part of God's plan. And he said, I want to give every generation, every 50 years, a chance to snap that cycle and break it. That's God's dream. That was the plan for his people. It's, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That, that's the heart behind God's law. Do you, do you follow his thinking? Look at the logic. Sabbath gave God's people a break. Sabbatical year gave their property a break. And Jubilee gave the poor a break. In that sequence, God said that's the spirit of the Sabbath. The spirit. Pretty cool stuff, yeah? There's one part of this, though, that's very sad to tell you. Nowhere in the entire Bible, nowhere in the Old Testament, is there any evidence that God's people ever obeyed the Jubilee. Never did it once. There's no evidence in any of the extra scriptural writings that the Jewish people observed Jubilee. And it's like, sad. But why is that? Well, I want you to imagine for a minute, you weren't the one in debt, but you were holding the note, okay? Think about that. Would you be all anxious to hit the reset button and declare jubilee? That's so much, because it was very costly. And in the end, nowhere in the entire Old Testament is there evidence that the Jews celebrated jubilee. They never fulfilled the third requirement of God's law. Now, I want to show you something interesting. Flip over now to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. It's on page 520. Israel, as some of you know, didn't follow Jubilee. In fact, they, they ignored a whole bunch of other commands that God gave them all throughout the Old Testament. Eventually, the entire nation devolved really into war and poverty and oppression. The whole nation was in exile in Babylon who was oppressing them. But in, in the midst of that dark time, God made a promise. He said, I will eventually send the Messiah, the chosen one of God, to deliver you from your oppressors. The question was, how would Israel know Who was the Messiah? Isaiah 61 gives the answer. You'll know he's a savior because he will be the only one who can fulfill the jubilee for all people. Check this out. Isaiah says this. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach what? Good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for who? The captives. And release from darkness for who? The prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord, year of the Lord's favor is literally the year of jubilee. It's the era of grace, and we're still living in it today. The idea that the year of all debts being canceled. 
In other words, Isaiah lets us know that when the Messiah comes, we know he's the one because he's going to preach good news to the poor. That's how they'll hear it. The prisoners will go free in God's favor. Everybody will see it because Jubilee, all debts everywhere are wiped out. The, 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 the practice Israel could never fulfill themselves, the Savior would fulfill completely. Now with that in mind, I want you to imagine what it was like when Jesus came walking into the synagogue 2,000 years later in his hometown of Nazareth. And in the first act of his public ministry, he was a working class carpenter. He's literally from the fringe, a dirt water town called Nazareth. And Luke 4 tells us that on the Sabbath day, Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to who? To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for who? The prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Does this sound familiar? Is it ringing any bells for you? In the first public declaration of who Jesus was and what he came to do, he said, I am the one who will fulfill jubilee for all people everywhere. And all eyes in the synagogue were fastened on him. It's an amazing moment. I will cancel the debts. I will set the prisoners free. Everybody gets jubilee, and it's incredible because Jesus made the declaration of jubilee central to his identity and central to his mission from God. It was a dramatic moment. Verse 20 says this. Then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is what? It's fulfilled in your hearing. Nothing could have been more dramatic. Jesus actually saying, You've been waiting. I am. I am God's chosen one. And I am declaring jubilee for all people. And we don't really have time here, but I love this passage. Because if you skip down to verse 28, you'll notice it stirred a bit of controversy. Jesus had a tendency to do that. The people in the church became furious because they were confronted now with a choice. Either Jesus is the Messiah or he's committing blasphemy. He's just a a crackpot. He's an ordinary man claiming to be God himself. And we're all faced with that choice, aren't we? I mean, when it comes to Jesus, he literally, what do you do with him? He doesn't let them off the hook. He says, I'm either the one who cancels your debts or I'm a lunatic full of hot air. And that day, the crowd decided he was the latter. If you look at verses 29 and 30, they actually chased Jesus to the edge of the town and actually ready to throw him over a cliff. Take a look at it. It's a nice response. But the cool part, I love this. One of my favorite verses, verse 30, it says this. But Jesus walked right through the crowd, and he went on his way. Talk about power. I mean, there must have been something about Jesus' bearing that parted a crowd hell-bent on killing him, they just stepped aside and let him walk right through all the way to a cross three years later. See, the people at this moment in history were hoping for a financial savior. Wow, things really change, don't they? 2,000 years later, the search is still on. See, most of us rightly assume that the Old Testament scriptures are talking about cancellation of economic debts, and, and, and that is true. Jubilee in Leviticus was God's way of offering economic relief to the poor. 
But when Jesus announced that he was the one who would fulfill the Jubilee, he said, I'm going to fulfill it in a way that people can't totally grasp yet. Because it's about more than money. It's about your heart. See, you guys know this. When a debt is canceled, it doesn't just vanish into thin air. Somebody has to pay, don't they? I remember graduating from college. In college, I hope I don't embarrass my wife, Colleen, but in college, my wife racked up some significant debt. She had school loans, single mom. She, you know, her, her, her mom didn't have a ton of money for college, had school loans, but then on top of it, got a Discover card. And you remember when you get your Discover card, it's like, crack. Oh, my gosh, free money? Really? Monopoly vote? And she went to the mall and the whole thing, and for four years, racked up some serious debt. And by the end of her senior year, she had significant debt, okay? Big deal. And she graduated. She's trying to work two jobs and graduate and all that stuff all at one time. And, uh, and it was an amazing thing because it was, deep, it was deeply shameful to her, and she was very embarrassed, and it was a crippling thing to graduate with and all this debt. I remember her grandfather, who actually didn't graduate high school. He is a blue-collar man, worked all of his life, stone quarries, construction. He didn't cancel her debt outright, but he said, I'm going to give you a little something just so you can at least have one job when you graduate instead of two or three. And he paid out of his pocket a gift to her that actually allowed her to scale back to one job. That was a a huge sacrifice in retrospect to realize. Didn't bail her out because it's all about responsibility. She had to pay the main portion of it. But when a debt gets canceled, someone's got to pay. And that's why in Israel, no one ever stepped forward to say, hey, let's, let's do this Jubilee thing. I'd like to see that work. No one was willing to personally pay for that collective debt. The Bible says that when people sin, what I mean by that is, is whether it's greed or it's lust or it's power, the usual variations on selfishness. The Bible says we incur a debt before God. The problem is we can't pay it ourselves. Literally. We need someone to be our Jubilee. The one who can pay our debt and give us a new lease on life. And the Bible describes, you guys have seen this, the Bible describes sin in economic terms. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Here's the payment, actually, for sin. You, just, you die. That's, that, it's worse than prison. It's spiritual death. It means separation from God forever. But the good news that Jesus came to announce is that he would pay for jubilee with his life. Romans 6.23 finishes, the wages of sin is death, but the what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Three years after he read from the scroll of Isaiah, the Messiah, the chosen one, Jesus Christ, would be nailed to the cross, canceling our debt forever in the eyes of God. That is the good news. Jesus said, I will personally pay the price for the sin of these people. Starting with Israel and those on the fringe, and it's going to go to the end of the world. The Bible literally puts it this way. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? The righteousness of God. Sometimes I get the question, um, what does it mean to really be a Christian? What's it really mean? And you get a lot of answers and responses for that. Folks, if I can boil this down for you. Christians are the only people in history who have ever experienced jubilee. What it is like to literally have a slate wiped clean and set free to live in the love of your heavenly father. We are the only ones 
who know what it's like to have our debt completely canceled. And the point is, guys, at the center of our faith is a belief that Jesus canceled a far greater debt than our financial pardon. On the cross, Jesus literally offers a full, free, and unconditional pardon for all of our sins, our spiritual debt, if we're humble enough to actually admit we have a need. Can you be humble? Can you not be proud? Could you be humble enough to say, I'm the one who's poor, and I need a bailout? (laughs) See, in God's eyes, debt of sin is literally canceled, and we are given a new lease on life. You guys know this particularly during this downturn. I mean, if you're in debt financially, you know what it's like to walk around with a huge weight on your back. You think about it all the time, what you owe when the creditors call. It weighs on you. It's invisible. But debt has a way of crushing the life out of us, doesn't it? It's the same thing with our sin. You were never meant to live and carry around the guilt for the bad stuff you've done. All the stuff you've screwed up, and we're for honest, we've all done bad stuff. We have taken advantage of other people. We have used and abused and manipulated others. And, and most often, we do that with God as we please. And it all starts out the same way. Sinning, spending, whatever. But eventually the bill comes due, yeah? And when it does, you feel the weight of it. And maybe you've been carrying around a huge weight. Shame, guilt for all the things you've done in your past. And Jesus says, come to me. Because I am the only one who can pay your debt forever. That is who I am, and that is what I came to do. Jubilee. On the cross, I gave my life for yours so you can become the righteousness of God, the goodness of God. Taste it. I love you that much. Through Christ, we can literally be made right with God and live with him in heaven forever when we die. That's, that's good news, yeah? Especially if you're living under the weight, the crushing weight of sin. You can be made right with God by asking his son Jesus to pay your debt. That's That's your Messiah. That's the chosen one. Jesus is your jubilee. You may have never heard it that way, but but today you can leave a different person and you can literally receive a new lease on life, a second chance. Control out the lead on your heart. Maybe this is your moment. Maybe you have been coming for a while, but you have never received Christ for yourself into your heart, into your life in your stead. I want to give you a chance to do that. Let's just bow our heads just for a minute. Can we all bow our heads real quick? I want to take a moment to pray. If that is you right now, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You prayed to Jesus. Jesus, I have debts I can't pay. Just say it in your heart. Jesus, I have debts I can't pay. And I want a new lease on life. I believe the cross was for me. I ask you to be my jubilee. If that is your prayer, that is your moment right now, say that to God. Those words, he knows the sincerity of our heart. And you have a new life, a life in God's family forever. All our eyes closed, just take that moment, holy moment, offer that to God. Father, you hear our prayers, you hear the prayers of your people. We ask that there'd be men who are coming to you and becoming sons of God right now at all of our campuses, women who are becoming daughters of their heavenly Father. Lord, we ask that there would be children, even right now, Lord, who are feeling, Lord, that love on the inside, that they have no reason to fear you because you have been directing good our way since the beginning of time. We thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus Christ. He is our jubilee. And all God's people said together, Amen. Awesome.
hey, if you guys, if you prayed that prayer, this today was your day, would you let your campus pastor know? Jot that down on your connection card. There's always a box that says, I invited Christ in my life. Welcome to the family. We want to encourage you how to grow in your relationship with God, okay? It's not rocket science, but you can't do it alone. You're joining a family. That's what this is here, okay? Guys, that's what it means to be a Christian. If if, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are now living in the year of the Lord's favor. It's called the period of grace. And all of your debts, I mean your past, your present, your future, Jesus paid for everyone, and nothing can ever hold that over your head again. The point is, folks, for every Christian, Jesus is our jubilee. That's why he came. Canceling all debts, the heart of his mission, and he said, I'm now handing this mission to you guys. That's what he's doing, by the way. That's, that's, that's not like the end of the story. It's like, oh, good, now I go to heaven. No, now you play the role. Now you declare jubilee. You, you, if someone cancels your debt, like literally, what if I said, hey, I'm picking someone right now. I'm going to cancel it, wipe out your whole debt. The church is going to pay for it. How would you feel towards the church? You'd, you'd be like, it's <laughs> awesome. You would be filled with gratitude. You would live in a way that, that, that you'd be like, I've got to tell people about this. I, I want to give them a glimpse of, of, of their heart. And you want that, that love to overflow and then to taste it for themselves. Well, here's what we're doing to put jubilee into practice. In the spirit of Jubilee, two weeks from now, we are going to give six families a taste of Jubilee. And we're going to see what it's like for them to have a portion of their debt paid down. Check it. With this, each Old Testament practice, we've got our application, right? Fasting for Africa, we're gleaning at the free market, we're partying with the poor next Sunday on the 24th. But the week after that, Sunday, May 31st, we're beginning a brand new message series entitled Life money, hope, biblical advice, and difficult times. And it actually features the teaching of Dave Ramsey. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, uh, The Total Money Makeover. Have you heard of it? You've probably seen him on Fox or maybe heard him on the radio. Ramsey is a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. And for the first week of that series, we are choosing one family at each of our campuses and declaring jubilee and canceling a portion of your debt. Yeah, I'm for real. At every campus, one in Morristown, one in New Brunswick, one on the internet, we are declaring jubilee and picking one family and paying down a portion of their debt. I'm dead serious. And some of you, like, just perked up. Like, I was just listening to that Jesus thing. What's this about? <laughs> you know, like, we actually set aside some of our budget this summer, and what we said is we want to bless someone who's currently in financial need and give them just a, literal, a little taste of jubilee by canceling a portion of their current debt. Now, here's the deal. Look. We wish we could do this for every person at Liquid who has a debt, okay? We wish we could do it for everyone, but we can't bail out everyone, all right? That's Obama's job, okay? That's not our job, all right? But what we're saying, we want to do for one what we wish we could do for all. Because we know there are some of you who've gone through your own hardship this past year. Maybe you have lost your job. Maybe, maybe there's an illness or you could use a helping hand in the recession. Now, we can't help everyone, but it's called symbolic leadership. So at each campus, we're going to help at least one. And the week after the FMO, that's Sunday, March 31st, we're declaring Jubilee, and we're going to choose one family in Morristown, one family in New Brunswick, one family in the Internet campus, and pay down a portion of your debt, and then we're going to do it again the following Sunday on June 7th. All told, six families we're declaring Jubilee for. And I'm not saying how much, but you will, not, you will want to be here for this, okay? We're not going to ask a lot of questions about your debt because grace is free. There's no strings attached. But we're trusting God's going to kind of choose just the right person or family to bless. And we're going to do that for two consecutive Sundays, the first two weeks of Life, Money, Hope. 
And it's going to be an amazing series, guys, um, whether you have debt or not. I don't know if you saw this, but Dave Ramsey recently hosted a town hall for hope. I think it was on Fox or something. And he will be here at our church via video. And he has an amazing perspective on the economy, kind of where things are going, and the hope that God's people can actually have in the midst of hard times. That's, it's a very practical series. We want to give you guys some take-home tools on personal finance, on investment, on debt reduction that you can literally put into play from a biblical perspective. It's going to be an awesome series. But those first two weeks, May 31st, June 7th, you do not want to miss. You want to probably invite a friend. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, no, that increases, decreases the odds. Uh, but you need to be here at Jubilee Sunday. We'll, we'll pay down the debt of six families in our church, one at each of our three campuses in the spirit of Jubilee. Can we say this together? Jesus is our... Jubilee, that's God's heart, lub-dub, lub-dub. That's the heart of our church. I hope you can feel it. In fact, I hope you share it. I hope that is your heart too. Guys, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for all of our campuses. In fact, can we all stand right now? Every one of our campuses, let's stand. As we go out to serve next Sunday, I want to ask God to protect and bless us and ordain our moments, okay? All of our campuses, stand on up. Let me pray. Father, right now, look over your people. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. We give all glory and honor back to your son, Jesus. It is out of his riches, Father, that we are rich. Lord, I ask right now that you would look over your people and every, um, from, from, from the oldest man to the youngest child who is going to be serving Jesus in your name next Sunday, would you bless your people right now? Fill them, Lord, anew with your Holy Spirit in our heart. Let it overflow out of us, Lord, to a thirsty world, a world in need that's desperate for truth that's desperate for authentic love. Lord, let that be our hallmark and let them see it because it's your son's hallmark. It's a cross in our life. We ask that and we give great glory to your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. All of our campuses said together, amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you on the streets.